Well, it is a relatively quiet start to the week today, but no fear, a busy week is ahead with the RBA, the Bank of Japan, the Bank of Canada, all meeting, all trying to fight inflation. We'll look at what to expect with that. And the big number of the week, payrolls numbers for the United States, but we'll have to wait till Friday to find out what that is. And equities up and bond yields down on Friday. Why is that? It's Monday. It's the 6th of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a bit of a a reversal from the recent trend on Friday in that U.S. Treasuries were up, so yields were down. Ten-year Treasuries down more than 10 basis points on the day, uh, but up less than one basis point over the whole week. That's very different to gilt yields in the U.K., though. Ten-year yields there up 19 basis points last week. German Bund yields up almost 18, even with a fall of almost four basis points on Friday. And equities, well... The Nasdaq was up almost 2% on Friday, 2.6% over the week. A similar story for the DAX, up 1.6% on Friday, 2.4% over the week. And the S&P 500 up 1.6% on Friday, 1.9% across the week. Nothing can stop the equity rise, can it? But the big winner of the week was the Hang Seng, which gained 2.8%. And yet the ASX 200 down 0.3% last week, despite a 0.4% rise on Friday. And the US dollar lost ground over the week, including an almost half percent drop on the DXY on Friday. Friday, all against that, most of the majors doing pretty well. The pound up three quarters of one percent on the day. The yen up 0.7 percent. The Aussie dollar up 0.6 percent, up to 67.7 US cents. And a positive day for commodities with WTI up 1.9 percent, up 4.4 percent over the week. Brent also up 1.3 percent on Friday, up over 85.80 a barrel. Not so good for iron ore though. That was down 0.8 percent on Friday. And coal. Fell almost 10% last week, more of that big decline that we've been seeing so far this year. So let's join the dots on all of that with NAB's Ray Atrell in Sydney. So, I mean, clearly a bit of hope. We've got bonds gaining value, shares up. So can we, I mean, not a lot of data. I mean, we had the uh, the ISM services number for the United States, which, you know, you build as being a pretty important number. So we were expecting a reaction to it. So how much of the reaction was actually because the number was up a little bit higher than expected, but not a great deal uh, because we had a rise in new orders. But we had a fall in the prices paid number. So is the market latching onto that as, you know, here's a sign perhaps that inflation is starting to wane a bit? Uh, morning, Phil. Possibly, although, you know, and we're always, you know, there's always a, a temptation or a, uh, a requirement to try and fit facts to figures, isn't it, when it comes to what was the news mm. that drove the price action? Um, and I certainly think that the the fact that the prices paid component of the services ISM didn't repeat that sort of blip higher that remember we saw in the manufacturing ISM prices paid earlier in the week, uh, and in fact it fell for the fourth consecutive month, and it's well back from its uh, from its peaks, orbit at a high level. Um, I think contributed something to the rally, but then if I look at the the so-called tick charts, you'll see that the uh, you know the bond market rally and then the softening in the U.S. dollar was already in place, you know, well before the numbers came out. So um, you know, and then, and then we had a fair bit of sort of volatility around the ISM because uh, there are lots of different components, and as you say the activity reading overall, you know, was pretty strong, unchanged, close to fifty-five. Uh, the employment subcomponent was up to fifty-four from fifty point zero. So on another day, mm. you could well have imagined that that would have accentuated uh, certainly the bond market yes. sell off. And well, even so, even prices paid. I mean, sixty-five point six. So it's still going up, isn't it? It's not going up at the same rate, but the, so it's it's still. On the right, yes, though. but no, nobody expects service sector. Infl- it, um, they expect some disinflation, i.e., less rapid price mm. increases. Um, and although we've seen, you know, in some sectors an outright 
um, deflation, if you like, in terms of some of the monthly numbers for goods inflation. Um, you know, all we're in interested in is a moderation in service sector inflation, um, you know, at, alongside which we're looking for, for evidence that wages growth is, uh, is starting to fall back a little bit. And we'll get a new print on that on Friday, of course, with the non-farm payrolls. Yep. So uh, the, the fact that, you know, we were up in the 80s back at the end of December 2021. So if you look at the chart, there is quite a meaningful fall back there. So, uh, sure. right, you know, in that sense, yeah. I think it's justified. But but just going back to the bond market, obviously, you know, Ken and Sky, the, the, the bond gurus have been saying, look, they thought that 10-year treasuries would, would certainly, you know, could certainly be testing 4% and wouldn't rule out you know, some further travel above that level. But it does look like, you know, by the end of the week, you know, the sort of um, reflected view was that, that yields above 4% were attractive. And, and certainly, you know, seeing them down at what, 395 at Friday's close certainly bears that view out, doesn't it? No, but the but Fed speakers still trying their hardest, aren't they, to try and influence the markets to expect more. So we had Mary Daly on the roster over the weekend, you know, basically saying that uh, further policy tightening maintained for a longer time, she said. Um, and we had Larry Summers, the former Treasury chief, of course, again, saying the Fed is behind the curve. He wants a 50 basis point move in March. I mean, that is possible now, isn't it? Oh, it certainly still. is. It is possible. And um, uh we await developments with interest most keenly there. Um, Fed Chair Jay Powell is giving his semi-annual testimonies mm. to Congress on Tuesday and Wednesday. It used to be known um, uh, as the Humphrey Hawkins testimony. I don't know if they lost that, uh, that mantle some time ago. Uh, but you're right, all the Fed speakers continue to be on message. It's we've still got more to do. And um, some explicit comments from, from one or two of them saying that, you know, rate cuts in 2023 and uh, aren't expected, but that's obviously consistent with the, you know, the last dot plot that we had anyway. Uh, and we did have the formal uh, monetary policy report um, to which Jay Powell will be talking to uh, release late on Friday, still echoing the message that um, there's more work to do. Although, interestingly, I did also note that um, financial conditions had tightened a lot since uh, June, which was when uh, Powell last testified before Congress, and that they're a lot higher than they were a year ago, which is a bit at odds with people like um, Ariane, who've been claiming that financial conditions are no tighter today than they were before the Fed started, uh, you know, started the, the monetary policy tightening process. So I think that's going to come through. So, um, so overall there, there's nothing really to aggravate, I would suggest, the uh, uh, the sell-offs that we'd seen earlier in the week. And equities still keep on pushing higher, don't they? And uh, the Wall Street Journal today uh, saying there's a, a bit of a move now uh, from Tina, which is, uh, you know, for shares, there is no alternative. Now it's tapas. Uh, so it's nice that, uh, you know, one of our commentators on the morning call has become an acronym for Wall Street, which is there are tapas stands for there are plenty of alternatives. Although, you know, you look and you just see those uh, equity markets just keep on, keep on pushing higher even though all this inflation fear still is still around, when when does it stop? But uh, well, who knows? But obviously, that you know, the message overall from the economic news has been that uh, you know recession ain't here yet if it is coming, and uh, you know, and the equity mm. markets clearly has you know has, has taken treasury yields up at four percent sort of in their stride. Um, as you know, it was actually a positive week overall, wasn't it, for uh, yeah. for most equities? Yeah. Obviously, the Hang Sang, the standout, as you mentioned. Well, you know, in which respect, we had that services PMI from the Kaisin um, news agency, and that uh, very much corroborated the message from the official numbers earlier in the week that um, you know the Chinese consumer is back with a vengeance. And uh, you know, over the weekend, we've had the National Policy Congress and. 
Uh, Premier Lai has, 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 has held out a 5% growth target for this year, possibly a bit disappointing to some. There had been some mm. whisper numbers of, of maybe a number as high as 6%. But I think in the context of those PMIs, um, I don't think that's going to sort of frighten the horses too much this week. And, uh, well, it's presume, presumably they don't want to go too high because they don't want to get inflation. They don't want the central bank to have to... Uh, try, try and combat inflation too much. If they if they talked it up, maybe there would be more inflation fears. Well, possibly, but they reset the uh, the inflation target at around three percent. And remember, China's been consistently undershooting that, you know, in the last mm. uh, year or two. So, uh, um, you know, the message from the PBOC late last week was that uh, prudent monetary policy is the is the watchword uh, for this year. Uh, money supply targets have been set pretty much in line with nominal GDP. So that would be around sort of. 8% or so with with 5% growth and 3% inflation so clearly they're not uh, they're not planning a major monetary stimulus at least that as you say could fan those inflation concerns but um, proactive fiscal policy I think was one of the other things I picked up so and you know, I, I think 5% to, to us looks like a, a minimum that we should reasonably mm. expect this year, and I think that does play into the, you know, the the, the less negative global growth outlook, and, and which does, you know, is one of the reasons I think that maybe stocks are doing as well as they are just at the moment. So we're going to get much else out of that National Party Congress. I, I hear that uh, President Xi, there's a there's a very strong chance he's going to be elected president of China. Who'd have thought that? Uh, so I think he already. I think I think he already was. I think this is a lot of the, you know, the, the, all of the committees basically, all yeah, the individuals there. And I, and I think that the, the more interesting point there is a lot of the. Uh, you know, the big tech entrepreneurs are nowhere to be seen mm. on the the, uh, the list of, uh, of effectively, you know, party officials, if you like. So uh, clearly, the you know, the days of the Jack Maher's of this world having significant influence on uh, the overall policy well, setting that was are sort long of, gone. Sort of my question, that sort of leads to my question. I mean, uh, do, will we get more as to, you know, their attitude towards the West decoupling from the West and, uh, you know, what the future direction of China is? Will we get that sort of talk coming out of this? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, the, there's mention of the the international challenges, at least, and interestingly, on that growth target, that uh, um, you know, it went hand in hand with comments about domestic demand, effectively being the main focus of mm. attention. So you could argue that implicit in that is the view that uh, we're no longer looking for for the export sector to be a key growth driver. So I guess that certainly fits with the view that um, you know further moves towards um, sort of deglobalization should be expected. But I don't think we should get carried away. And certainly a lot of the, uh, the companies that we speak to around Australia are still pretty much as engaged with, uh, with China, particularly on the, those that are big importers, uh, as they have been at any time in the past. Okay, Storm a teacup perhaps now not much to dwell on today retail sales for the euro area for january u.s factory orders for january early tomorrow morning uh, but the rba tomorrow that's the first big event isn't it one thing we know the rba's work is having an impact on uh, is house prices and housing demand so we saw home loan values down 5.3 percent year on year on friday which is a much bigger fall than expected uh, so whether that weighs onto what the RBA does, um, I'm not sure. But we we get Governor Lowe giving a press conference as well, don't we? After the uh, after the announcement. I think he's giving us. I think it's a speech on Wednesday. I think at the uh, oh, May of our right, summer. Okay. So not uh, not a post not straight statement. Uh, so do we, do we get we get revised forecast this week though as well, don't we? But uh, where are we? We are March. No, we had those in February. So um, oh, right, no, okay. it's not a new monetary <laughs> policy uh, statement as such. I think the real interest is going to be on what sort of really got a few of the juices running as far as the rates market was concerned last month was the comment in the statement that further rate increases, plural, 
were to be expected. Mm. And that's why the market sort of has added best part of another quarter point to its sort of rate track as a result of that. And uh, so whether or not um, they repeat that sentence, you know, or whether they sort of fudge it a little bit and say that uh, further monetary policy tightening, you know, is likely to be needed, I think, I suspect, assuming we get a 25 point uh, increase uh, tomorrow, which is universally expected, then the market reaction will turn on that particular reference to uh, to forward guidance. Well, we get the Melbourne Institute's inflation gauge, the sort of you know what consumers think uh, of inflation, which they thought was going down, didn't they? A little bit last time. Whether they've changed their direction given everything that's been happening in the US, we'll we'll find out today. But another central bank this week, and uh, this is perhaps uh, poignant because it's the last one for Governor Kuroda from the Bank of Japan. Uh, and as a parting gift on Friday, Tokyo's CPI, excluding food and energy, rose 3.2%, more than last time, more than expected, and the highest it's been in decades. Well, it's not, uh, you know, the Bank of Japan does have a, a penchant for springing surprises. At, uh, I'm probably the only one on this podcast who's old enough to remember when the Bank of Japan raised interest rates on Christmas Day uh, back, in the, uh, back in the 80s. But... Um, it's not, it's not inconceivable <laughs> that uh, Mr. Kuroda wants to go out with a bit of a bang. And there are a, mm-hmm. there's a few uh, people in the uh, market commentariat suggesting that perhaps you know, a, a, another tweak to the YCC tolerance band is, is an underpriced risk for Friday. We're not expecting it, but we are uh, alive to that risk at least. Um, and after that, it's the the new uh, the new kid on the block, Mr. Hueda, who uh, uh, will chair his first meeting at the end of April. But uh, our view is still that you know a, a formal policy change is more likely to come not before something like July, after which we'll you know after we've had the uh, the full uh, fiscal year twenty three twenty four uh, wage rounds, which which probably won't be finalised before June. So a few central banks, and as you mentioned, non-farm payrolls as well at the end of the week as well. So that you know, there'll no doubt be lots of speculation about that this week as well. So we could be in for a choppy week this week, couldn't we? And J- J- Jerome Powell, as you say, doing uh, his testimony to Congress to- tomorrow and Wednesday as well. So yeah, quite a choppy week, perhaps. Quite a choppy week, and so, so Bank of Canada as well. So three central mm. banks plus uh, Jay Powell plus payrolls. Um, what's yep, not enough. to like for in terms of those that <laughs> uh, that like rather than uh, than loathe market volatility. Right, and we'll be across it all, of course, all week. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you soon. Well, Dave, thanks, Phil. Well, volatility is always good, isn't it? So long as you see it coming and you're on the right side of it, hopefully we can help you with that. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Listener.